Welcome to the Racially Responsible Podcast, a show designed to call in, support, and provide loving accountability for white women and anti-racism work. If you have ever questioned your role and approach in this work or wondered how you can create an impact for racial equity and justice, you are in the right place. I'm your host, Rory Geller Muhammad, a white woman doing this work alongside you in real time with my family, local community, and institutions that I'm connected to. I'm also a licensed clinical social worker, the creator of the Changemakers program, and deeply committed to working for a safe, loving, and inclusive world. I'm so glad you're listening and joining me on this journey. Here we go. Stacy, I'm so excited to have you here. We have Stacy Gordon um, is a leading is leading at the intersection of diversity, inclusion, and workplace culture as CEO and Chief Diversity Strategist of Rework Work. Stacy focuses on reworking how companies work, including how they inclusively recruit, hire, and engage employees, effectively creating inclusion and belonging for all. She has coached leaders from companies such as American Express, ADP, Kia Motors, Walmart, and many others. She's also the creator of the Unconscious Bias course. Stacy was recognized by Forbes as a top three business leader who spoke out about diversity and inclusion. And the, her expertise and experience goes on and on, and you can read more about it in the show notes. So I am extremely excited to have Stacy on our show today to share her brilliance with us. Thank you so much, Stacy, for joining us. Awesome. Thank you. So I always like to start off each podcast, you know, getting to know our guests a little bit more. Um, and since we talk about race, so talking about intersectionality along those lines as well. So it would be awesome if you could share some of your social identities, including your racial ethnic background, where you are, li um, live, what you do, and any other identities or information that can help us to get to know you better. Oh, so that's going to take up the whole podcast. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's such a hard question to ask like succinctly, <laughs> but I'm always like, you know, people can't see you. And so I want people I to know. know you to have some background. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. It's just, it's funny because, um, so there are people who I've known for many, many years who, uh, the more I talk about the fact that I was born in London, they go, wait, what? I didn't know you were, wait, you never told me that. And I'm like, oh yeah, maybe I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> because you know I never used to really go into it because it requires a lot of explanation yeah. right and so uh, who wants to go through the long explanation of how you ended up where you are and why your parents are there and how did you get right. born there but nobody <laughs> else is there and, right so <laughs> so uh, but yeah I was actually born in um, in London um, in the United Kingdom and so um, but my parents are uh, are Guyanese, and so I'm like they're from Guyana, not Ghana, right? So oh, my South husband America, too, not Africa. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, having to explain all that, right? It's yes. like just even then, it's like, well, what, what were your parents doing in in England, and you know, so just having to go through all of that. But it's interesting because then they left England and moved to New York City, where my mom's um family mostly was and so I went from being a uh you know standing out in England and being like one of only like two black people in my school most of the time <laughs> to then coming to Brooklyn New York and being a black person with you know quote unquote white person accent right like I got <laughs> this British accent so then I stood out there because of that so I've just always been in a place where I really didn't fit in. 
it was kind of, uh, you know, on the outskirts. And I think that's probably what helps me um, in the work that I do now, right? Because I'm able to like jump into any conversation, anytime, say anything to anyone. And I just don't care. I'm like, whatever, we're going to have, we're going to have the conversation. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is awkward for you. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. And so now I actually live in Los Angeles. Um, so I've actually lived in Los Angeles longer than I've lived anywhere else, which is really crazy to me. I just don't, I'm like, it makes me feel really old. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, and so the next question that I would love um, to hear from you, it, you know, is, so I know you are the author of a book titled Unbiased. And you have lots of experience doing this work. Um, and so what do you, what does it really take to create an organization or institution without bias? The brief version, <laughs> whatever that might look like. <laughs> I know there's not a brief I, version. <laughs> I'm going to say, yeah, we need like eight podcasts. For this right. one. <laughs> um, what does it take? You know, it, it takes first a willingness to do it. Yeah. Right? Um, Cause there are a lot of people who are, you know, sort of trying to do it, but they're really not willing to do it. They're kind of being dragged, kicking and screaming and they're doing it because for optics, they feel like they have to, like we've got to put something out. And so those individuals, those companies, they're not going to, you know, create a workplace that is inclusive, right? Um, and that has embraced diversity. So, it really first starts with with the willingness, and that's what I do with uh, with the leaders that I work with. Is I just ask them, like, is this something you even really want to do? Right. And if so, why? <laughs> right? Because if you can't answer that question, I can just get up and leave right now. Because right. there's there's no real point to this exercise. It's an exercise in futility, right? And it's not sustainable. So I would say that would be the brief version. <laughs> It's great. That's that, you know, that that leads us also um, into the next question that I'm curious about the work when we're talking about, um, you know, removing bias from institutions. Would you say um, the same things go across the board for like corporations versus nonprofit or um, healthcare field, healthcare setting? Would it be different depending on what kind of institution it is? Um, I mean, there's a little bit of difference in terms of um, tolerance for risk, right? So companies that are more risk tolerant are usually more embraceive um, or will more, how do I say that, will be more readily <laughs> ready to embrace uh, diversity, right? So that's why you see it with tech companies, because those are companies that are creative and innovative and, and uh, looking to... Um, to really harness the the power of diversity in their workplaces, so I would say there's that that difference. Um, but overall, in what needs to be done, there is no difference, right? It's just that okay. some some industries are more willing to do it than than others. Got it. Got it. What advice do you have for someone, um, and especially white women, since that's a lot of I know our listeners um, who want to start the conversation and work um, and this work in their workplace? where would you suggest that they start? I would suggest they start with themselves, right? Mm -hmm. Like you, they've got to do some, some self-awareness and some self-reflection 
on um, how they show up. So um, understanding how you show up and what that looks like to others then helps you to do the work and be more, more authentic in it, right? Um, and I, I, I always remember, it was, I don't know how many Christmases ago this was, but I was standing online at like a Ross or God knows what, you know, huge big box Target, some of those stores, right? <laughs> I was buying something and I'm standing in line, right? Waiting to, to um, I think I need to return a purchase or purchase, I don't know. And there was this lady standing off to the side. So, she, and she came up after me. And so she's standing off to the side. She sees me standing in line, right? And the, um, the cashier looks at me, looks at her and takes her next. And so I was like, excuse me, I'm next, right? And yeah. so you would think that the person who's standing off to the side would say, oh, you know what? She's right, she's next, right? Go right. ahead and take her. Oh no, she just swoops right in, right? And, um, and she decides that, you know, it's her turn. She, well, and she just had such an attitude about it. And I always think about that as like, there are times when you have the ability to kind of take a step back and right. set something right. And you don't, right? You swoop in and just like, oh, I'll just take the opportunity, right? And so I, I think about it in, in that way, in terms of the work that we do. There, yeah. is, a, a, there is an ability to, um, to come in and want to, you know, to jump into to action. I talk about this in the book, right? That it's broken out into awareness, alignment, action, and advocacy. And we want to jump into action, but sometimes we need to step back to awareness and just observe, look around, see what's happening, right? Before we start opening our mouths and saying things or doing things, because sometimes we are um, impacting others and in a negative way, when by saying nothing, we could have, you know, impacted at least in a neutral way. Right. And there is a way that you can impact in a positive way, right? So we'll take right. neutral over negative um, <laughs> any day of the week. Yeah. Well, thank you for, I mean, that's, a, that's a horrible, you know, that that happened. And thank you for sharing that story with us. I think that, you know, that is a perfect example. Um, and so often, um, I know as white women and for myself, right, that how do we kind of, it's so important for us to, you know, take that step back and sit in that awareness and reflect and, and kind of what's happening around us um, and really pay attention to that. So I really appreciate, you know, using that example to help um, really illustrate what that, what that looks like. Yeah. Um, and it's simple actions, right? It's just, it's little things. It's not usually the big things because the big things are actionable, right? There's lawsuits right. that can be filed, right? There's right. protests, right, that will happen. But right. it's the little things um, that really just stick in the craw of most people and that are so difficult to deal with. Right. So let's say, um, you know, someone wants to bring this work um, and do some of this work in their place where they're working, right? In their company, um, whatever institution they're in, and they they sort of bring it up, they address it. Maybe they, you know, they they've done some of the learning already, and they're getting pushback from higher ups or leadership. What would you say is the best way to kind of address that or make it um, get other people to understand? 
Well, it, I mean, it depends on who it is, right? And what they're trying to do and, and where they're, like there's, there's so many variables in right. there. Um, and so I think you've got a couple of different ways to address things, right? There's top down, which is what we what we want. We want the the top down um, because you want the CEO and the executive leaders to be on board. Um, but I think sometimes we put a little too much stock in what the what the executive leaders can do. Um, yes, we want them to role model. Yes, we want them to um, to be on board with with the work. But sometimes it can be done from the ground up, right? Like if, uh, you know, I think of a couple of different companies that have come to me from their departments and have said, I don't know what's going on in the rest of the company, but we want our department to be better. <laughs> and awesome. so they're just working in their department um, okay. because okay. they understand that if we are better in our department, how we interact with others outside of our department will change, right? And that people will begin to see that we have cohesiveness, we have a great culture in our department and people are gonna want more of that. We can role model that and then they can see what that looks like, right? And so you can affect change um, and create impact by starting in, you know, at, at, on, on the side, right? Or at mm -hmm. the bottom, it doesn't necessarily right. have to be at the top every time. Right, right. You know, I really appreciate, you know, you saying that because I think sometimes it feels like, oh, well, if the top person's not doing it, then what can we really do? You know, it feels like it's that stuck position sometimes. So I think, you know, starting, that's such like a tangible, right? So how do we start within our department? How do we start with where we are right now? Um, if the top people aren't on board, you know, just start where you are. Um, I really, I really like, I think that's such a great piece of advice um, and hopefully tangible so for people listening can take that and try that out and see how that feels. Um, in their, you know, in your work, in their workplaces. What's the most common challenges that you see coming up, um, both for individuals and institutions doing this work? I know they might be different, but to address either or both of those. I think the common challenge is just, again, it's getting people to understand uh, why we're doing this. I think there's a lot of, oh, we're just doing it because there's a bunch of noise about it and everyone will settle down soon and we can go back to normal. Or um, we're just doing it because there's optics in, in place and we just need to you know, check this box and, and get it done. And so I think that that is, um, is really a, an issue that needs to be addressed. Um, and it's gonna be one that's gonna take a while. Uh, you know, Somebody asked me, well, how are you feeling about where we're going to go with um, with diversity, equity, and inclusion, and and are we? Um, do you see things getting better? And I think yes, <laughs> right. I gotta say yes. I, I see things getting better. The yeah. question is when. Um, I think right now we are in a cycle of change. So yeah. right now we're in the beginning of a cycle of change, and we've uh, we've you know, made some noise, we've upended some things um, and we have to sit in that for a bit, right? The more that we um, are discussing this, the more that people realize that, oh, this is something to discuss and this is something we should have been discussing before. And, you know, maybe the way we were behaving before wasn't right. And, and so we're in this space, I think even with all of the, the hate crimes over the last, you know, four plus years, right. it's because this, um, it, it's just, it's bubbled up, right? It's not to say that somehow we've created more hate, 
no, we were addressing it more, right? right. So um, before things would happen, people wouldn't report it, right? right? Now we're reporting it. So the crime statistics are higher. And I'm, I'm not saying that the, the there aren't more crimes happening, right? I'm not looking at crime statistics enough to know that that answer, but I am right. saying that there is some level of, because we're talking about it more and because we're saying we will not um, stand for this anymore, it is emboldening people to say, oh, wow, I should speak up when this injustice happens. And so now they're speaking up, whereas before they were afraid to speak up. Yes. So I think that, that there is some good in that that's coming out of it, which is that people who previously wouldn't even have bothered to say anything are now saying something. So now that we're all saying something, well, now you got to deal with it. Right, right. 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 And then it's how, right. How is it? How do we address it? For sure. Right. And there's a lot of people just wishing that, you know, it's like, just go back to not saying anything. And it's like, no, sorry, we, we, we passed that ship has sailed. Right. Right. And I think that's so important, right? Because I think so often, um, for white women, right. It's easy for us for, for, um, we could check out if we chose to for some of the things. And so it's important, I just want to say, you know, for listeners that are listening, that are white women, that it's important for us to rec- like to hear that clearly and to make sure that we're not checking out, that we are all constantly checking in and doing this work um, and that we're prioritizing the anti-racism work that we need to be doing. Um, and so, yeah, so when that we're stepping up to that. The, the other thing, so this kind of leads into Stacy also what, you know, they were saying this is, it's hard work and it doesn't, it doesn't happen overnight. And, you know, when people ask you like, you know, are things going to change? How do you manage, like, what do you do for self-care and how to like continue to always believe that change is possible when sometimes it feels hard? Because I know that happens for all of us sometimes. Yes. Um, it. Well, self-care is, I want to say almost non-existent, which is really bad. And I know that, right? <laughs> so I, I'm getting better. Um, and it's, it's, it's intermittent, I would say, because um, I really enjoy the work that I do. I really do. So at, at times, even though I'm working all hours of the day and night and working more than I should, I also realize there is so much more that I could be doing but right. there's just so many hours in the day, right? So right. Um, I think I am a little bit of a workaholic, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but work does, it fuels me. It really yeah. does. And, and because I, I like the way that I am working. So I'm not working in a job where I am feeling like, oh, this sucks. I have to go in at nine o'clock right. and I have to stay here at my desk and I'm chained here until 6 p.m., right? right. I am working in a place where I feel like one, I have impact, which yes. is positive in and of itself. So even if I walk into a room of a hundred people and they all look at me like, I don't want to hear from you. If even one of them says, okay, well, let's have a conversation. I think we need to do something. That's one more person that's been impacted, right? That's, that's changing. So I look at it from that perspective. um, And I I realize I can't change the world, right? Um, By myself, but this is why I'm steadfastly out talking on these podcasts, talking to everybody as much as possible, working with leaders, because 
what my goal is, is to get you to understand that you can make a change and if yes. you go and make that impact, right? Yes. It's like that pay it forward campaign, right? We talk about, like if we all pay it forward, if we all go out and do something and yes. we impact one or two people, we can get this work done. So I'm not trying to do it by myself. I'm empowering everybody else to get out here and help me, right? And help us that are in this, this work. And thank you for the amazing work that you do. That's awesome. And I also just want to clarify because I realize I'm using when I'm when we're when I'm talking about um, race. I know I'm saying we as white women. I'm referring to me and listeners for some of that, just so listeners know. <laughs> I, don't, I know Stacey. I'm not referring. I, I just want to make sure for listeners who are listening. <laughs> um, totally understood. Sure. Yeah. It's so funny too because I was. Um, I was on a, uh, I was interviewed, gosh, a few years ago by Fox News. And one of the things I just remember saying, and for whatever reason, it made the, the interviewer, I can't even remember her name now, just made her kind of stop. But I was like, you may have noticed, uh, I was like, but I'm black <laughs> and I'm female, right? I was like, so when I walk into a room, you see these things about me. That's not going to change. So I can't change the way that people are going to relate to me based upon how I look because I can't change that, right? So I'm not gonna spend my time worrying about what might happen when I walk into a room. I can only deal with what will happen, right? Right, right. <laughs> and I'm still getting adjusted to podcasting <laughs> with talking about these things and all of that. So thank you everybody for being patient as we go on this journey together. <laughs> um, so, okay, here's a question. What's something you wish you knew when you started doing this work? That you know now that maybe you wished you knew back then? <laughs> um, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like it's gotten better over time, but not necessarily because of anything that I'm doing, right? I would love to say, I am so all-knowing and I'm the absolute best and everything that I'm doing is impacting the world and the world's a better place because of me. <laughs> and you are doing wonderful things and some of those things are true. <laughs> yes, and, right? Like it, it's, I think there's, there's a natural evolution that is happening. And so I, um, I'm actually happier to be doing the work today than five years ago. Because five years ago, people didn't want to hear it. Right. Five years ago, people were very quick to check a box and move on. Five years ago, people didn't have budget. Five years ago, right, like it yes. wasn't a priority. Yes. <laughs> so um, I think that the work we're doing now is having more impact because more people are willing to actually hear it. And um, I will say at the beginning of the pandemic, um, I, you know, because I've been doing this work for a long time and yeah. I've talked to a lot of people and I had people reaching back out to me who I had previously, um, you know, spoken to about doing DEI work who had said, we don't have a budget. This isn't our priority right now. We need to table this. We'll come back to you. Right. And didn't do the work. Now they were reaching out. And now it was like, oh, we, you know, we need to do something. We need to do something right now. And <laughs> it's an emergency. Hurry up. <laughs> right. Exactly. And it was like, oh, but you could have done something last year when we talked exactly. about this. Like, like this could have been handled. <laughs> and so it was really frustrating. There were days where I was, I think those were the days where I was the most pissed because I was just so frustrated with, it was like, what was it 
that turned on this light bulb all of a sudden. I'm happy the light bulb got turned on. Don't get me wrong. But it was like, what was it about this incident, this one time, you know, George Floyd got murdered. I'm like, is it just that George Floyd got murdered? Is it that George Floyd got murdered in the middle of a pandemic when football was canceled and so suddenly your attention was focused? (laughs) You know, like, what was it? And I think that was, I still don't have the answer to that, right? Like, um, and I think part of it too, just for me personally in this work, um, I've told people, I said, you know, I have never felt simultaneously so um, so invisible as a black woman, but so visible as a DEI expert. Wow. Because everyone wanted the DEI expert, come in and do this work, right? But it's like, I am also a black woman, right? And we've had conversations about this and it's like, it was just like suddenly that they just didn't see that, which is fine, I guess. But it was just, it took, so you talk about self-care. It took a yeah. lot of conversations with other DEI. I was yeah. like, me, because I'm really yes. not doing well right now. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, that, that's hard, right? I mean, it's not like you had the conversations with them initially and it, just, it wasn't prioritized, right? And so all of a sudden, yeah, great. We're, you know, happy that it's now prioritized, but it should have, could have happened. Right, yeah. No, I hear you with that for sure. So let's talk about what is, when you think of different, whether organizations or people that you've worked with, an example that maybe stands out for you that was like a win, that was like, wow, that was such a shift. That was, you know, I, I'm, I'm, it was just like really exciting for you to see that change, whether for an individual, like from your work or, you know, in, in this field, what, what's an example that you might be able to share with us, an institution, yeah. anything like that? I think it's a lot of just watching the the light bulbs come on, right? Yeah. And so it's not these, you know, no one's jumping up and down and yelling, Eureka, you know? (laughs) Um, And I think of those old black and white movies, right? They're jumping up and down with the walking stick and the hat and they're like, Eureka. Anyway, sorry. Just (laughs) just shows you how my mind works sometimes. But it's like, um, you know, I think that, it, it, so as I was saying, sorry, I lost my train of thought now with my silliness. <laughs> but it, it's, it's looking for those aha moments. Um, and you're not gonna see an entire organization, you know, fall over like, like, like dominoes, right? Okay. And suddenly start changing. But it's capturing those, those one or two people, those key people, and watching them change. And I remember being, um, talking to a company leader one time and she was just so, I don't wanna say rude, but just like aloof and kind of, it, you could tell that this wasn't a priority. She was like, fine, I have to do this. They told me I need to be here and I need to do this thing. So I'm gonna be here, right? But <laughs> only half my mind is here. <laughs> right, right. And we went through the workshop. We did all this work together. We did a couple different workshops. And because she was hearing from other people who went through it as well and how much they enjoyed it and what they got out of it and how it was changing them. By the time we were done with this company, I remember having a conversation with her and she was actually talking to me. You know, like she went from kind of, wouldn't even look me in the eye to like, whatever, right? having a conversation and actually seeing me and actually talking about the work that we were doing and talking about how she was going to, what she was going to do 
within her department to make changes. And it was like, yes, that's what we need to do. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah, it's just to, to see that. And you kind of see, you know, sometimes it's just even body language shift, right? You know, mm-hmm. somebody comes in to a meeting, even on Zoom, you know, they've got their arms folded. They've, they're giving you the look like, I don't really believe anything you have to say, but I'm here. So can I, you know, can I, do I get my cookie? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and by the, and when you, you say something and you just watch them kind of go, huh, oh, I never thought about that, right? right? You watch them sort of unfold their arms, right? <laughs> and, and lean in to what you're saying. And you can hear like, okay, it's seeping in. They're not right. going to jump up and hug you and go, oh, this is great, right? But you can tell that it's like, oh, it's their thinking. They're, yeah. they're starting to reevaluate their behavior and how they can, uh, you know, change moving forward. Right, right. No, that, that's awesome. That's, you know, that's exciting to hear, you know, those kind of stories, right? That this is, this is what it looks like, right? That's such, um, you know, to hear like, those are examples. I just, you know, that's very exciting. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so as we're getting, um, before, so before we finish, I wanted to also, um, have you share, you know, where listeners can find your book, connect with you, learn more about what you're doing. And of course, I'll post all the links in the show notes. But if you want to share any about, about your book coming out, anything like that. Definitely. Um, you know, the book is coming out. Well, it is the official release date is March 30th. Um, but, you know, it has, as far as I'm aware, people who have pre-ordered it, they're already getting their, um, you know, their uh What's the word I'm looking for? They're actually getting their books shipped, right? <laughs> and so, um, you know, thank you, Amazon, for getting those out. <laughs> and stuff out early. Um, but the the website is unbiasedbook.com. And so um, you can see all the descriptions there. You can see the book. You can click on Amazon and purchase. And um, the ebook is coming out shortly as well. So we are just excited about um, the, the fact that this is, you know, making an impact. People are paying attention. We've got clients that are purchasing, you know, hundreds of copies for their employees, which is wonderful. So we want to yes. hear. <laughs> so. Yes. Yes. So everybody should go out and get that book. <laughs> yes. And um, I'm not sure of the date of the, of this, you know, uh, podcast, but um March 30th, we are actually doing a, a launch event uh, that Pepperdine is hosting, which we appreciate. Um, today, I actually did a LinkedIn Live talking about it. And so, so on cool. my LinkedIn profile, you can always scroll and find the, the LinkedIn Live uh, video. We spent 30 minutes talking about like what's in the book, what does that look like, and had a really cool conversation uh, about that. So I'm doing this, a lot of that promotion right now and just letting people know uh, what it's all about. So cool. Thank you so, so much. It's been great, you know, learning from you, hearing you talk about this. Um, And just thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom with us and spending time with us today. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Now it's time for you to reflect 
decide what your next steps are and start taking action. For additional support, join our mailing list and be the first to get access to new resources, workshops, and upcoming events. The link is in the show notes. Until next time.